am I Reister or am I wrong? It's your boy, George Reister, with my main man, Ralph Amsden. Great things on track for you today. Hopefully, we can keep you entertained and informed as, as well. Um, the Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban, he has reversed course on not playing the national anthem before games, and we need to figure out what happened to cause this to to, to transfer, well, to transpire in 24 hours. Trump's second impeachment trial is going on. Will he be convicted, and should this even be going on? The internet wants a pound of flesh for all the people who made Britney Spears' life hell at the turn of the century. I went full Karen in Costco, and of course, all our social media highlights, including Aunt Jemima Syrup, Lynn Sanity, and the Super Bowl streaker. Am I right or am I wrong is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. And absolute Monday, Wednesday, Friday, fire, facts only. Check your feelings at the door before you even show up because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. Make sure that you share the podcast with a friend. If you're watching it on YouTube, however you are, share it. Most important thing, tell other people about it. Uh, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to it. Thumbs up, all of those sorts of things. And of course, you can get a hold of us. Shoot us an email. I'm Matt, I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com. And you can listen to me, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. Pacific, 1 a.m. Eastern Time, and Fox Sports Radio Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific, and both me and Ralph on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast as well. So, Ralph, I guess we'll start today with Mark Cuban because I couldn't help it. So yesterday when the news was announced that Mark Cuban, uh, that he wasn't playing the national anthem at Mavericks games, it hadn't been all season. And he was like that. He wasn't. I was like, okay, cool. But and I, I mean, I had more thoughts about it. But what was your take on it when you first heard it? Part of me was like, man, this is going to be way more controversy than I'm wanting to experience in that lull after the Super Bowl is over. Like, can you just give us a week before we we get back into the the kneeling and the flag and someone bringing up Kaepernick? And like, I just need a couple of days <laughs> off from from us going round and round and everybody saying the same thing always. But before <laughs> before we could even have that reaction to it the NBA just slammed the door on, on the entire thing. So I'm not sure what I think, man. I'm, I'm a sports reporter. And so there's some of these like, okay, how about this? Martin Luther King Day <coughs> basketball tournaments where you like go to an arena and eight high school teams play in a row. Yeah. On my eighth national anthem, I'm like, all right, all right, well, I think we're good <laughs> of the day. You know, like it, the, the fact that it's played before every sporting event um, I mean, that's not like canon. That's not it, it, like nobody in the world thinks that anybody who shows up five minutes late to the game is less of a patriot because they weren't there to stand for the 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 national anthem. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. If you really take the time to think about it, most people don't want to think about it at all. They just say like, yeah, it's a flag. I respect it. I'd rather do it. And then I never think anything else about it. But you kneeling is making me think about it. I'd rather not think about it. So I'd rather you not do it. Yeah. But for 
for everybody else, you know, if you're if you're one of those people who just kind of questions everything, the national anthem before sports thing, the the but why of it is never really something that can be answered clearly because at the end of the day, at the very end of the day, you get you get to the point where you have to realize it's somebody else that decided that this was good for you. Yes. And you should have the opportunity to say, you know, is it? Um, as with anything, as with anything in the entire world, you should be able to question everything and kind of take each thing to, uh, to, to the end question, which is why do we do this? What does it mean to us? And if it doesn't mean something to somebody, are they a villain? Yeah. See, I, all right. Mark, what Mark Cuban did, he decided to cut the baby in half. He said, this is a problem for people who the, the, the players who feel some sort of way about the anthem. And this is a problem for fans who don't want them to have a problem with it. So he was like, listen, I'm eliminating the problem. This is like when kids fight. When, when my kids are fighting, if they're fighting over the PlayStation, I take the, I take the power cord. There's nothing to fight about now. Now you guys can be mad at each other about being mad at each other. I mean, about the fact that you guys were so silly to get in a fight over this, that it turned into this. And as a black man, no, no, go on. I just, <laughs> but what you have to be careful of in that instant of like, because it's one thing if there's a legitimate beef between your kids when they're playing the video games, it's another thing if they just both woke up on the wrong side of the bed and all of a sudden you take the controllers and that energy gets directed to you. And I think we've reached such toxicity just over this issue in general that instead of getting people to shut up, all it does is direct all that energy on every side to Mark Cuban. Now he's on the receiving end of it. And, you know, is it worth it? Okay. So, I think it was worth it for him. I think it made sense because he said he was siding with his players and saying that he wanted to respect how they felt about it and all that and and side with them because these are the people he's making hundreds of millions of dollars off of their backs and it'll be billions whenever he sells the the, uh, team and he wants to honor them. The, The issue is that there are some people who will say, well, players shouldn't feel like that about the flag and that they're not patriotic. I Here's the thing that people really have to realize is that you can have love for America, love for your country, and still feel that at times you are not treated fairly or and that things aren't right. Because as a black man, I love being an American. I love my my country, all these things. But the truth is, I've been followed around in stores. I've been pulled over uh, uh, for no reason, harassed. And those things are not cool. And those are the things that have happened to me. And when you think of things that I know of that have happened to other people and, and friends, family, Those are the things that become very upsetting to you. So, and when it comes to history, right? As a black man, I do not know my my history. I don't know what country my family's from, any of that. And unless I did my, I did my ancestry DNA. So I got quote unquote some information. 
But then I remember a couple years ago, my son had to do a history project. Uh, they had like multicultural day at school. And they were like, okay, talk about some of your family's customs and traditions. And I'm and I was like, what? Customs and traditions? My customs and traditions are football, apple pie, you know, and Nathan's hot dog eating contest. You know, like I don't know. I mean, if I'm a Jewish American, I have history and customs. If I'm a you, you know, you're you're part Native American, your family has customs and traditions. If you're a Japanese American, same thing. If you're Iranian, whatever, you know that and know your history. I know nothing. So when my country doesn't treat me right, it makes me feel some kind of way and about the anthem. So, yes, I can be conflicted, but still love my country. Yeah, I mean, I. I feel I feel interesting about it because like if it's you know part of knowing my history is knowing that my dad is is from the Northern Cheyenne Reservation and that my mom's family is uh, is from Arkansas and I'm afraid to dig back too many <laughs> too many generations on on the on the Irish folks side but like I I will say that it was always interesting to see how one side of my family reacted to tradition and how the other reacted to tradition and it's completely different you know because my mother adopted what my dad's traditions were we never did thanksgiving really growing up we went to shoney's once and ate turkey but other than that you know when when it when the fireworks holidays independence day and stuff like that would usually be spent going to a powwow on the res so and still doing fireworks and everything like that but your focus on that day is completely different one group is celebrating its heritage and another group is celebrating uh the creation of an of a new heritage that impinged on the heritage of a few others and so um the weirdest thing about it is i when it comes to the national anthem there's just something lacking within it to where people can pledge their allegiance can sing about the formation of of the nation or listen to somebody else sing um and there's no part of it that acknowledges the strain and struggle it's talking about the strain and struggle of war but that this formation of a new country would be all about strain and struggle going forward you know there are songs you sing in church like amazing grace <laughs> which like in, within the first sentence you're having to acknowledge that you're a piece of shit like it's in sentence number one like isn't isn't grace amazing because let's get this out of the way let's be honest i suck hard (laughs) and then there's nothing about there's nothing about our anthem that's just like hey we were we were we were incomplete we're still incomplete we're progressing um and i think that that if that was part of it other yeah that's yeah it's the and I think that that's where we're missing in the country is the the divide between people is, is that some people are like, this is the greatest nation in the world. Okay. I can believe that, but also say it sucked too. Like it wasn't great for everybody and we need to find a way to make it great for everybody. That doesn't mean that you don't love the country. And here's what Mark Cuban said. He said, we respect and I've always respected the passion people have for our anthem and our country. I've always stood for the anthem with my hand over my heart, no matter where I hear it played. But we also hear the voices of those who do do not feel the anthem represents them. 
We feel they also need to be respected and heard because they have not been heard. The hope is those who feel passionate about the anthem being played will be just as passionate in listening to those who don't feel it represents them. It's simple. It's simple. It, it, it gets magnified into this all or nothing thing that, that if you say our forefathers, they, in terms of the forefathers of the country, that they formed an amazing nation, the most powerful nation, land of opportunity, all of that. But then also say that they were, that they were morally bankrupt at the same time in some areas. That is okay. That is okay to say that that doesn't make America less desirable. The fact that you can admit that makes America more desirable because it's like, listen, listen, we did all these things wrong and we still have systematic racism and all this, and we're going to fix it because we are America and we can do great things. Okay, cool. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that, but it's the fighting and the consistent like make America great again. It wasn't fucking great. You can't say it's great when it's not great for everybody. I, a, a great thing if if I if I have, you know, a brand new, I don't know, a brand new anything. If I have a brand new bike, this is the greatest bike that ever's been built. But I don't have any damn pedals. Now I don't have a bike. The the bike's not as great as I thought it was because it's not it's not complete. So you can be a work in progress, still working. I would rather have be working on my bike and saying, "Listen, we're working on the bike. We're doing all these things." Instead of saying, "Oh man, that bike's great." No, it's not, and that's okay. So so yeah. so so at the end of the story, question question direct question. Okay. Do you think they should play the anthem? Because for me, I'm like, they don't play it at all concerts. They don't play it at all sporting events. It feels sometimes like propaganda. But like, I don't have a feeling either way. I, for for me, I'm like, if, if, if an owner of a team is like, I don't want to play it, I'm like, cool. They do want to play it, I'm like, cool. Yeah, uh... I don't know, man. I just think everybody should be okay with, with what everybody's choice is. I remember when uh, Chris Jackson, who became Mount Abdul yep. uh would sit for the for the anthem. I remember that caused a lot of uh, in- interesting discussions. I was in Got elementary school at the time. Yeah, and and uh, it, that, that was really the first debate over all this because he would sit for the anthem and he had some pretty pointed political uh, reasons for, for why and he wasn't shy in talking about them. And I remember as a kid just being like, okay. And that was it. That's all it had to be. You have that choice. You have that choice to just be like, all right, even if you don't see where somebody's coming from, you could just acknowledge that they are different. You don't have to you don't have to sympathize and empathize to just acknowledge. And I think like, I, and, and when somebody wants to sing the anthem even louder, because they feel like that makes them even more of a Patriot. And they do feel a lot, uh, a huge swell of pride and unity and community in that moment. My reaction to that is okay. And, like, cool. And I'm good for a, you. Yeah. 
And I'm a person who has probably supported our troops more than our servicemen and women, probably more than most people. I've spent, I've been to 20 plus bases around the world, giving up my, my, my time, not being paid, all of these things like sleeping on cots with wool blankets and in dangerous places because I thought it was important. It was important to, to me. So I'm, so if anybody wants to say to me, Oh, you don't care about it. Uh, no, no. I put my money and my time where, where my mouth is. And anybody that said like, that's the part that makes me upset is that these people will like pay so much attention to flag worship and players kneeling, forgetting the reason why they're kneeling. They don't want to address that but then make it about our servicemen and women, but then they don't have that same energy when our servicemen and women have are dying out in the streets, killing themselves, not getting their benefits when they're supposed to get them. Like, where's that damn energy? Like, where where's that fervence that you're willing to, to, to go to battle? That you're willing to say, I'm not watching sports. I'm not doing this. I'm not supporting this. Where's that same fervence and, and, and energy for something that actually matters for these same people that you say you're defending, you don't defend them. I don't think it's hypocrisy. I think it's the same. I do think it's the same energy. It's a little red, red hen, hen syndrome. Like people always get excited to share in the fruits of labor, whether it was theirs or somebody else's. So the ability to go to a sporting event and, and sing this song with pride um, is part of being able to enjoy the fruit of, of that labor. Saying that you support the troops or donating money or, or any of those other things um, or, or clapping for them when they're brought out on the field or whatever it is, like that, calling that support – um, that, again, that's more fruit to lay. There, if, if there are a lot for a lot of people, if you actually believed in the anthem so fervently um, that you're willing to have this argument, you know that's one of the things that I usually ask people is like, did you serve? Did yep. you enlist? Like you, you believe it to the absolute core of yourself, but not Enough to the to point where you actually live those live those values out. Boom. Um, you know, and for some of them, it's just like, well, no, this is, I have, I'm about this because that's what my parents were about or somebody in my family uh, did serve. And everybody's reason is different. Nothing is monolithic. There are people who sit for the anthem because they're aggressively against it. There are people who sit for the anthem because they don't feel like it represents them. And those two things aren't mutually exclusive. So I just think it's important to listen. And again, you can acknowledge somebody without necessarily agreeing, or there's this amazing phrase is, well, that's not the way I would do it. Oh, and, Lord. And when yeah, you say but... that's not the way I would do it, you acknowledge you are one of many, um, you know, <laughs> that's just that I don't, I don't know where we got to the point where you couldn't just say, oh, they do a thing that's different than me. Because, yeah. like, and, and, and I think that I'm not a both sides person, but when you talk about both sides of this issue, like, it is important to acknowledge, and I think that people actually do a pretty good job of acknowledging, like, oh, this means something to you because you feel like it actually represented you. When Francis Scott Key wrote this in 1812, uh, which is the year, I believe, the White House, which is which was 
partially, a large partially built by uh, people who were enslaved. That's the same year that White House burned. You know, this isn't from the Revolutionary War. This is from the War of 1812. When he wrote that song and one of the one of the stanzas said Land of the Free, um, that didn't necessarily include everybody. Exactly. Exactly. But but by the time the Navy decided to use this song uh, in 1889, there were people serving in the Navy. And to them, that's after the Emancipation Proclamation. And like to them at the time of actually adopting it as a naval song, maybe they did feel it was inclusive of everybody. And if uh, that was a history that you everybody even at the time. vote, dude. No way, dude. You, people couldn't. It's only I understand been that. 50 some odd years since there's been. Uh, even equality on paper, like I understand you that. Even vote. Um, so, but uh, speaking of voting, though, uh, Trump's second impeachment trial is in its works. Uh, there was just a vote yesterday to uh, f- that paved the way for the formally opening their arguments and cases on Wednesday, and the vote addressed the constitutional question of whether. The Senate has the power to try Trump, even though he's left the office. The vote was 56 to 44. So you had uh, six Republican senators, including Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, uh, Murkowski of Alaska, Mitt Romney of Utah, Ben Sass of Nebraska, and Toomey of Pennsylvania. And but ultimately, for him to get convicted, they need 17 Republicans to go over because assuming that all the Democrats, all 50 Democrats are going to um, are going to vote to impeach him, well, con- convict him of the impeachment. And the thing that stuck out to me is how this whole impeachment works. Right. Because we've we're so partisan And in this country at this point in time that you're sitting there like, hold up, this impeachment trial is like a regular trial, except half the jury either was complicit in the crime, didn't say anything about the crime or still committing the crime. And then the TV networks have those same people on to talk about the crime. And then you have... Like it, it's so conflicting because the people who are supposed to be on somebody's side, they don't care about the truth. It doesn't matter. They've already decided how the majority of them, how they're going to vote. It, it's, it's not a fair jury. This isn't representative of America. I do not understand. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you talk about a vote to decide whether or not a proceeding is constitutional, how many of those hundred senators do you think spent the night for the big vote studying the constitution in Zero. relation yeah exactly Zero. like it, and i was thinking about that earlier today of just how absurd it is that like we we operate under this system that where if something is constitutional it's canon it's uniquely american it's allowable it's it's <laughs> truth it's truth we actually get to the point where we think constitutional means absolute truth right we we assign a level of divinity to this uh, uh document and and it's it's uh the rights it affords to us and its amendments and everything like that and uh the, <laughs> the thing that um 
that makes me laugh is that what is or isn't constitutional is just this abstract thing that you can decide on a whim. You're you're asking senators to vote whether or not something is absolute truth and the vote comes out 56 to 44 like (laughs) imagine imagine having a hundred people in a room and you hold up a red ball and that the fact that it is a red ball is absolute truth it's absolute truth and you ask the room to vote is this a red ball yes or no and they vote yes 56 to 44 that's what happened and what then, does and that then tell you, ex- you and then you expect them to go back and and get and actually vote what at least 67 67 and here here's the thing is is that i believe that time. i believe that the gop that they want to keep Trump away, but they don't know how to do it without because he bullied them around. He and they don't like that because people in general don't like to be feel feel like that they're not in control. And I think that he bullied people around, and that that created issues for them. Where they're like, listen, I don't like that. I don't want to be a part of being bullied around. So then, so then they want to keep him away from running again in four years. And part of that means that, yes, they would upset some of their uh, base, but they're trying to figure out right now what's worse, upsetting their base or protecting themselves like can they do both things or if they upset the base will they have enough time to fix it before their election i think votes should be private because it's not it's not a vote on legislation so we don't need to necessarily know how we're being represented as a people. They're supposed to be voting on whether or not something is constitutional or a crime. We don't get an account of a, of of what a jury says unless they want to go public with what their vote was Mm. or if it's unanimous you just get to assume every person on this jury voted a a certain way but if it was 11-1 then you don't actually get to know who that one is unless they reveal themselves and when we're talking about did somebody commit a crime that is so serious that they need to be barred from public office that's not a, hey, how does this affect New Mexico legislative order? It's an issue of crime and punishment and accountability. And so, first of all, I don't think we should get to know the, the vote at all. That way, if, if it wasn't a serious enough issue, then they wouldn't probably have some of these proceedings um, that they have. I felt like back in the day, uh, Bill Clinton's impeachment was more to just get a vote on the on the record to whip up the, uh, the the moral majority, but when it comes to when it comes to Donald Trump, especially this second one, I fully believe that if the vote was private, that you might have a, a legitimate shot at sixty seven thirty three. But like you said, there would be Republicans that are finding him guilty just because they don't want him to run again, 
just the way that some of the Democrats are going to vote to find him guilty just because they don't want him to run again. Because if you're being honest, George, this is kind of a hard case to make without him giving a specific directive to people to go out and commit a specific act of violence. I I don't. I don't. I don't see it as a hard case to make because. All right. It, It would be different if the Capitol riots were the only time that people took up violence. Right. And. Do you remember when uh, when no when those people were chasing where those Trump supporters were chasing the uh, bus? Yes, and he came out and tweeted, "Oh, I'm proud! Of, I'm proud of Florida! Like that's how we do it." And like those are things that stoked the fires, and he knew what was happening. Proud boy, stand back, stand by. I don't think that you have to explicitly say this, right? I don't think that you have to explicitly do it. It's almost like when that girl got convicted of telling the young young man to kill herself. She didn't pull the trigger. She didn't make him sit in that car and gas himself. Uh, what would he, he killed himself with carbon monoxide? I think so, but she also didn't. She also said you should do it. He you told them, go to the Capitol. I'm coming with you. Don't stop fighting. All like all these, like it, it's almost like you go up to the line of deniability. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He in every situation, that's what he did. Yeah, and but you, you as can, the leader of the free world, right? My my mind, as the leader of the free world. It's a different responsibility. And if you know that people are taking up violence. In your name, it is your responsibility to say, do not do this. Do not do this. This is the like if 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 people were like if if it's you know a regular person, right? Yeah, then then no. But if you are a leader, especially the leader of the free world, so if if I'm the leader of my of my, of my son's football team, right? And we're playing flag football. And I know that they are going out there like we get penalties every game for hitting kids, right? For tackling them, all this stuff. And and I, when they come back to the huddle, I'm like, hey, yo, good job, man. Good job. Uh, but then pu- publicly, I'm like, yo, we're going to fight. We're going to go get them. We're going to do this and that. And then they go do it. Who's responsible? Okay. It's me that's responsible. <clears throat> It's not, it's like, yes, the people are responsible for their own individual choices, but as the leader, I am then responsible for what happens underneath me for the people who follow me, especially if they listen. I suppose here, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say. Uh, And let me be Donald Trump's lawyer for a minute and do what, what should have been done right away. Um, Which is one build the foundation that we all understand that Donald Trump is on trial to be impeached right now because he has explicitly incited violence. That's why he's on trial. We, we could all agree to that. And we could all agree to point number two, which is this man has no filter. And he says whatever comes into his head all of the time. So we're here on those two issues that we can all agree on. This dude says what he means, means what he says, 
and and he's willing to say whatever whenever there is no filter and two that he's the one who did this okay so that would mean that you are saying that if he really wanted this to happen because he says what he wants all of the time incessantly, then you're going to be able to find a hundred examples of him saying, go into the Capitol and attack lawmakers. So that that's what you're telling me that it would be everywhere. But what do we have? We have the opposite party trying to tell you, if you squint, you could really make this about this. And if we agree that he says what he means, how come we have to squint? You don't and have that's, to you don't have to squint. It's literally sitting right in front of you. Mind you, and I'm a person who can make a a case like nope, I I used to, I used to play around in the margins all all the time with my words and all that. So I get it. But you but you do have to say, all right, that when you when you have people taking up causes in your name, and you know what's happening. You can you can say, oh, I didn't do it. Well, the other part is that you didn't stop it, which is which is another issue. If you are the president of the United States, you there is you're the most powerful man in the world. There is responsibility with power. So 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 like excusing someone of not wielding their power properly. That means that you shouldn't be allowed to hold public office because if you can't figure out in your brain, just like, oh, oh girl, that uh, Mar- Marjorie, Mar- Marjorie Green, who they just took off the committees because they're like, yo, this lady's fuck batshit crazy. <laughs> All right, and she can't be leading anything. The same exact principle applies. If you can't, govern your or figure out in your brain oh wait hold up this led to this this is leading to this let me not do this no he knew that it was going to rile up his supporters and he thought it was going to get him elected and then when he didn't get elected he thought that he was like all right cool i'm gonna burn it down i'm gonna let them do this because this is my vengeance but because but at the end of the day you still have to make that assumption so he, here's the thing <laughs> so what do well, you think no no no, no, no. Hold, on, hold on hold on hold on so 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 logically what do you think i am do prepared you think, to answer this question okay i am prepared what do you, do you think that the things that he said led the people to do what they did at the capitol behind that bus the 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 the, the proud boys then making their shirts stand back stand by the old keepers Whoever else, do you think that the things that he said and did not denounce and all of this caused those and what he said that particular day on the Capitol too, I'm going with you. Let's go fight all of that. Do you think Ralph Amston that that had that that's what got the people to do that? Of course. Of Thank course. you. But that's not the issue at hand. That is that's the, the issue, issue at hand. hand. Okay. Okay, let's let's make it related. We're both fathers, okay? One of our kids comes to us and they say, I am being picked on at school. Uh, it, it is relentless. It won't stop. It's happening every day. It's affecting my self-esteem. I feel like I can't make any friends. I feel like physically threatened, even though nothing is necessarily like right happened, but they pick on me and they pick on me and they pick on me. 
the thing that we were grown up that we we were always taught to to uh, do ourselves and then and then ultimately hand down to our kids is at some point you have to stick up for yourself because yes. or, or or nobody else will, and it has always been very important the way a father has that discussion with their son or daughter, uh, and and sometimes mothers are having this conversation too. Sometimes it, it they have no choice but for it to be a mother, but traditionally when you see this in popular media and when it's happened in our lives, this has been a man to man talk, uh, man to young man talk, man to young woman talk. So you say, look, if you don't stick up for yourself, this is going to keep happening. Okay. There's never been more importance in, in, in your relationship with your child's life than in how you phrase how they're going to go out in the world and deal with somebody else. Yeah. There are some dads who in that conversation will say, you need to punch him in the fucking nose. Right? Like that's that would that that's my conversation, but yeah. Right. That's extremely, extremely explicit. And then there are others who say, like, look, you have to learn to stand up for yourself. And they leave stand up for yourself completely undefined. They take you take your child's word for it that they're being picked on, and you say you need to learn to stand up for yourself because the world could continue to be like this. You got to be able to stand on your own two feet when you're feeling oppressed. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you leave it up to them to decide what that means. Now, in your head, someone is bullying your kid, and you hope your kid punches them in the face. You hope that it happens. You absolutely disdain them for what they're doing to your offspring and you hope that it happens, but you didn't tell them to go do it. So when it does happen and you didn't stop them, you're right. You didn't stop them. But the issue is, did you tell them to go do it and they did it or did they misinterpret you? And that's where Donald Trump is trying to live in this situation. Just because he hoped it would happen and just because it wouldn't have happened without him, doesn't mean that he implicitly caused it to happen. All right. So you gave a perfect example with the father and the bullying, right? But here's the part that you left out. You made it seem like this is a singular conversation. When, when parents have that conversation about bullying, it's typically more than one. The stand up for yourself. Yeah. Conversation. It's usually been modeled on some level. It's, it's you. Yes. Yes. It, and to your point, to your point, here are five examples of exactly what you're saying. Uh, if you beat up those protesters, if you handle those protesters, I'll pay your legal bills. Remember yep. that from when he was campaigning? Yep. So right there, it would, that is something you can consider an act of actual incitement, and that probably helps set the tone. Uh, the number two thing is that when confronted with QAnon, even though he said he has a very good brain, even though he said that he's, you know, he is the person that that was ordained to have this job because of his extreme intelligence, even though he's seeing the letter Q at all of his rallies, he's asked, what do you know about QAnon? And he says that they're like anti-pedophilia and child trafficking. Doesn't mention that they believe that all of these other people drink blood, like says that he, 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 he actually does not take the opportunity to dismiss the idea that we're actually in a flesh and blood battle, not even spiritual battle, flesh and blood battle against yeah. vampiristic pedophiles. Like, so he, he doesn't push back against that. So there's some allowance there. Uh, here's a third one. Four years of going to rallies, even continuing rallies after you won, immediately after an election, in which the crowd would chant, lock her up, as in take away the freedom of and 
prison Hillary Clinton, your political rival, lock yep. her up? And did he ever stop them from? Yep. Okay, uh, here's another one. I'm going to read you. <laughs> I'm going to read you a quote. <laughs> this is a very interesting uh, quote. Um, At Donald Trump rallies, you meet people from all walks of life, colors, etc. It was fun. It became like a newfound drug. Going to rallies made me feel like I'm no longer a loner. If you weren't at a rally, it was all over social media, TV, radio, and Twitter. The uh, more they happen, the stronger my resolve to continue to advertise Trump's message to make America safe again. Do you know who said that quote? Oh, Caesar Sayoc, the Donald Trump bomber who sent pipe bombs to like every major opponent. Oh, of, oh, of oh, Donald uh, Trump to make it safe. All right. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. So we we actually had somebody that tried to blow up and assassinate every single one of Donald Trump's rivals. So the hint was there two years. Of violence was there. Did he go out of his way to say, hey, anybody who thinks like Caesar Sayoc, um, that's a huge problem. We don't want that. No. Exactly. No, he didn't do that. Because and then the last example happening and he liked it. Okay, go on. And the last example would be absolutely what what happened with having to get coaxed and coaxed and coaxed and coaxed to say that this shouldn't happen. That the other side is not the violence taking place acknowledges that it's violence acknowledges that it's wrong acknowledges that it's their side then he says i get where you're coming from but you can't do this then the third example was him saying we love you yeah to them so it, his three immediate reactions after the fact in even while this in the process of going on because there was no intelligence to say that the storming of the capital would be the last thing that happened that day correct uh, he he didn't it, take it, the it, opportunity to say that it was wrong in those moments. So like, those are some specific examples that would imagine that, if they didn't put all that damn security at the inauguration. Yeah. And even then, well, you know, didn't necessarily do the best, uh, do the best job, but there's, so there is a bunch of very specific examples to where he was aware that there was a brewing violence and did absolutely nothing to stop it. But you're going to have to prove that even though he wanted it, even though he did nothing to stop it, that he actually caused you, it by doing more than the being leader, If you are the leader of the free world, you are responsible. Like, like this, this absolving of responsibility when you know what's, what, what's happening it is it, it's lame it's lame for him it's lame for anybody it, and it's, it's not just him it's when people say oh well i didn't notice it yes you did you damn lie so anyways um next what thing oh, what one thing one thing before we go that I, that i will say that, that this would be really really hard for me to get away from as somebody who didn't have my mind made up about this um when i'm saying that i feel like it's going to be impossible to prove but i'm also acknowledging that i 100 believe that this is something he's responsible for when Donald Trump said, and this has been proven a million different times to be a lie, but when he said that he saw thousands of Muslims dancing on rooftops in reaction to 9-11. That was when a he, lie. Right, right, right. We, we've established that it was a lie. But what did he mean by it? Did he mean that people who desire something bad to happen – but don't participate in that bad thing happening should be viewed as criminals. Was that his point? When he tells this story, when he tries to villainize this specific set of people, 
think that that should be very, very telling that Donald Trump in his own mind in telling that story in his rise to um, political legitimacy from being a reality TV star and a real estate mogul is he's somebody who believes that if you were celebrating the idea of something happening in the immediate wake of it happening, does that make you guilty? Does that make you violent? Does that make you culpable just for agreeing with the idea? Because that's who he is in this situation. That whole thing that he was talking about was completely made up. But this is real. In the moment, he's saying we love you to people yes. who actually stormed the Capitol. Yep. So apart from apart from whether or not they're going to be able to prove it, I think the more interesting argument is on some level, does Donald Trump, with some of the things he's said and done in the past, does he actually carry that belief in him that he – caused this to happen and i think the answer is yes dude i i don't know i don't know if he i i, I think he knows i don't think he cares i think that that's a different argument right. um uh and now on to the next thing uh the internet this was a ralph topic which, which i saw it going around social media and i haven't watched framing britney spears yet but the internet wants a pound of flesh for the people who made Britney Spears' life difficult, and this is at the turn of the century. We're talking like 2000. Her dad, Justin Timberlake, the paparazzi, U.S. Weekly photo director, Kevin Federline, Harvey Levin, Sam Lufty, and Diane Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> and Diane Sawyer trended all day yesterday for something that happened a decade and a half ago. Okay, so so make so bring me up. So I know that her dad has her conservatorship, won't let her have any freedom. She can't manage her own money despite making so much, which I think is absolutely just a disaster to begin with. That a judge keeps giving him all this power over her when she's thirty nine years old or something like that. I, I I think that's absolutely or however old she is. I think it's crazy. Like you should be able to make your own bad choices. <laughs> or yeah. or good choices like your dad can't govern you your whole life like you're not an invalid yeah so the free the free britney movement is having its moment in the sun right now and um i would I, <laughs> this is gonna sound controversial but like it's not that much different than QAnon in the way that it actually works from day to day uh, people watch Britney Spears videos on Instagram and look at her tweets and the things she favorites. And then they try to like piece together this thing of like, is she actually making a cry for help? Did she snap two times in this yoga video? Because someone posted on Reddit, Britney snapped two times. If you need our help getting you away from uh, your dad, Jamie Spears. So I've been watching this happen for a while and um, it had always kind of reminded me of QAnon because there's a lot of people that were always just searching for things when Britney Spears has every ability to just like go live on Instagram and address it. But she never really does, even when she commented it, yeah, but on it in the last though? day. Yeah, but can she though? So that's, but that's the free, so that's what you're doing the exact thing. And so um, I've been watching it for a while and not really completely fully invested or understanding because then to ask questions, you end up dealing with these same people who are super wild uh, for, for a, a pop star um, in, in her thirties with documented mental health issues and everything like that. So this documentary Put together and it really gives a voice to some of um and it, it just encapsulates everything and it's it's really meant to capture your attention and then manifest rage it's a lot like 
the uh, Coney 2012 type thing. Like it's having its moment. So is moment this like right is this like surviving R. Kelly? The, the 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 version of that for Britney Spears? Yes, kind of. But like the but the you know what they what they have to build, you have to operate on the assumption because this wasn't done with Britney Spears approval or anything. You have to operate on the assumption that she is in a position that she does not want to be in. Like she's being held against her will in some way, shape or form. And so they have to piece the puzzle of how she ended up in the situation in which she's being held against her will. But she, she clearly is. If she, she just tried to get control of her own money and be able to perform, but she can't even perform. She's a musician who can't perform. Right. right. And can't control her own money. Like what? I, I don't All understand. Of that is an issue. All of that is an issue, but we're sort of building this multi-pronged thing of like, let's blame 98 different people for her issue. So like, let's get mad at, at Justin Timberlake for how he acted what in the Justin wake of Timberlake the end of their relationship. Well, like it, he made it almost, a river because she supposedly cheated. That's part of it of like cashing in on it. When we know now in retrospect, oh the damage God. of all of the weight of these things over time, including late night comedians, including interviews from Diane Sawyer in which she was held to a different standard than maybe somebody else. And it's all the story of how we elevated uh, and idolized somebody and then uh, threw them away, which is just sort of something we culturally um, do over time. And the whole thing with this free Britney movement to me is nobody's taking any personal responsibility. Do you know what magazines are still the top sellers in every grocery store? It's US the tabloid. Right. Yeah. It's the, yeah. No it's the nonsense. Those, those magazines aren't selling themselves. Those magazines didn't sell themselves. They're back like then. drugs. Like, the, yeah, like the, it's, the, it's, the people I, I, in the audience at these late night shows, when they would crack Britney Spears, shaved her head jokes, that's still us. It was still us then. We're still doing it now. The really weird thing that was happening the, the other night is Britney Spears was trending and Britney Matthews was trending. And <laughs> Britney Spears was trending because everyone was talking about how toxic society was to her back then. And Britney Matthews was trending because a bunch of salty uh, NFL fans who were mad at the success think it's funny to call her ugly. She's uh, Pat Mahomes' fiance. So, like, one woman is trending and her name's Britney because the entire world is making fun of her looks. And another woman, Britney Spears, is trending because everybody's sad about how Britney got treated two decades ago. It's still us. We're still the same people. We're still doing the exact same <laughs> stuff. We still roast everybody. Fame is still a terrible, terrible, non natural thing that will take you through the cycle of like, we need to build Here, something up just to tear it down. People. A lot of times your talent, God-given ability takes you to places that you're not mentally, spiritually, and emotionally ready for. And that can be in sports and entertainment and music, whatever the hell it is. You're, it can catapult you into the limelight and into fame that you weren't ready for, that you don't have all the tools ever like ready for. You know what I mean? So yeah. So yeah. Did you see the toxicity? Oh, toxic. Britney Spears song. There you go. Did you see the toxicity in the coverage back then? Because she's basically your age, right? Like pretty close. Yeah. So you're watching someone similar age become a god in real time, right? That treat It's treated. unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable to see because I've seen it. You know, like I've seen yeah. it. 
I've seen it with some some people that I've played with, who I've known, um, actors, like pe- people I know that all of a sudden you're just like, oh, okay. Then all of a sudden you're like, you're like whoa, yeah. I can't even imagine. So, but if it were did you me, Did you have an issue with it at the time? At the time, no. being somebody who was her age and seeing her on magazine covers, shaving her head, seeing all the coverage about the Kevin Federline I was like, marriage. Yo, she's losing it. I mean, like it, it was more sad to me than anything. Like it was less sad than funny because for me, I was like, she's really going through it. I, right. And- but did you did you feel the weight? Did you feel at the time like if you someone told a late night joke about her or she was on a tabloid? Were you saying like, oh, this is the specific thing that's going to break her and we should all do something about it? No, no. What I thought is this is going to she's already unraveling. This is going to make it unravel even more. Like, that's what that's what my thinking about it was. I mean, right. And I think I I think I was in the same I was in the same place. Like, oh, this can't be good. Like, she's a human being. This is probably terrible. And there was a whole South Park episode about this, about how like we about how it's like a children of the corn thing to where we need someone to build them up to then to then take them. Uh, back down again. I, I remember at the time being like, oh yeah, this is bad. Why would we need a reminder? Like it's still bad now, but we're the ones consuming it. We're the ones purchasing it. We're the ones laughing about it. We're the ones like late night jokes are still about celebrities who do bad things or yeah. misbehave or get in the news. Like that, nothing about any of that changed at all. So, like you have to look at your own behavior when you're talking about any of this, but we're going to get mad at Justin Timberlake and Diane Sawyer when Dude, we're the I'm ones getting made that song number one and we're the one who made that diane Dude, sawyer broadcast I'm not getting, uh, ratings hit i'm not getting mad at justin timberlake because people get upset when they at breakups people make breakup songs all the time like this doesn't make you a bad guy like, just just stop i mean for everybody else yes some people exploited the situ the uh, situation you know it just sucks I, I i hope that she gets herself together and that she's allowed to make her either own good or bad decisions um, now it is time for one of my favorite segments that we'll do every episode is our social media. Well, the best of social media since the last time that we saw you. And since the last time that we saw you, here are the best things that we've seen on social media. Um, the first thing is this guy right here, Ralph. This guy right here. <laughs> when I first heard this story, I thought it was a lie. This dude claims that he won, that he bet $50,000 at plus $750 uh, that there would be a streaker at the Super Bowl. He bet $50,000. And he ended up winning allegedly $375,000 and then had to use $1,000 to bail himself out. And that's what he won. And I'm sitting there like, when I first saw it, I was like, okay, yeah, right. But then I thought about it because ordinarily sports books and stuff like that, like they did discourage cheating. But he didn't cheat. He bet that there would be a streaker. It doesn't say specifically, like I went and looked on a betting site. It doesn't say you can't be the streaker. Yeah, I mean, I don't believe that it's true. I don't believe that it's true. I think... um he he was part of okay. the um, the Vitali Zodorovsky. Um, he's a he's like a Russian YouTuber um, who has done a lot of these things, like streaked at a lot of different um, 
games and and everything right. like that and gotten right. people to do it for him and his website was actually on that guy's pink um pink speedo pink borat speedo or whatever he was wearing yeah. so i don't think he actually won money i think that's just a way to get more publicity for the logo that was on like he I'm sure they got lots of web traffic and it's like a girls gone wild type thing. So it's, it's basically like a guy who did YouTube pranks and then turned into a kind of a pornography prankster yeah. um, guy. And so, yeah, you, you've had advertisement for a porn on the field of the Super Bowl. The guy already took credit for it. I think the money story is just something to keep it in the news a little bit longer because why would you, why would you say anything about it? Like, why wouldn't you have somebody come collect, on your behalf, like why wouldn't you keep it under wraps? Um, so, I mean, if that ends up being true, that's incredible, and I'm sure you'll see a, a lot of changes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. absolutely. Um, next thing up, Tom Brady. Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl victory parade. Here's big what he does. old boat parade. Wait, this dude has wait, the don't, trophy. Don't, don't, don't no. Throws uh, the damn trophy okay. to somebody. Touchdown. These are random. He threw the trophy to randos, Ralph. Are you okay with that? It could have sunk to the damn bottom. Yeah. I mean, I have to do a little bit of a callback on this one. Like, if that dude doesn't have to respect the the, the trophy that everybody spends working all year for, then you don't get to get mad at what somebody does during the anthem. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I would say, I will ask you this, George, because you, 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 you have five kids. If you had two more, would that make you more likely to toss the youngest one from one boat to another? Is it just that level of experience? <laughs> Hell no, man. No. No, I mean, you do let your youngest kids probably get away with more than you do your older kids. But hell no, man. I'm not tossing a kid from one. He's got seven Super Bowl trophies. He's like, hey, here, I'll just throw this one. <laughs> but would, wouldn't people be more mad if that was Nick Foles and his one like substitute Super Bowl trophy and he was the one that was cavalier enough to chuck it from one boat to another? You think the reaction would be different than a guy throwing his seventh and us just assuming, oh, like he, he he's at that point where <laughs> these aren't as important. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think the outrage would be as – but it's funny though. It is funny. Uh, the next thing up in the social media roundup, Ralph found this video. So I saw it on when he retweeted something, but I didn't quite understand because he tweeted it in reference to the Pac-12. So I didn't fully understand what the hell was happening. Here is what, um, here's the video. This is a robbery. The car on the right, the black car on the right, robs the, the Prius in the middle. And we're trying to figure out what the hell is happening. Like, so they pull up underneath the underpass. This is in San Francisco. One guy hops out of the car in the other car and then like smashes a window in the back and grabs something out. No shootout, no nothing. And we're trying to figure out what the what the hell was in the bag. Because yeah. you don't just randomly just snatch a bag out of somebody's car. Right. It did look like a little bit too like daring of a, of a thing to just be like, hey, I see a backpack 
in the back of this Prius. Who knows what it could be? It could be socks. And it Let's just so happened to be it. filmed too. Like it's weird. Yeah, I guess that's a Tesla onboard like camera and they just record or have the option to record. I don't know. Okay. You have a Tesla. I know. Um, and so uh, that that was that story anyway. But I, <laughs> the the thing that made me laugh the most about it wasn't the video because the, the video is pretty wild. Um, it was the, the extremely negative uh, reaction toward the state of California. <laughs> in the replies, it was just a bunch of Californians tagging the San Francisco district attorney and saying like, you let this happen. <laughs> or what? people, people, people tagging Gavin Newsom and saying, you wanted this, like, this is what you built. And I just thought to myself, I'm like, man, don't let anybody ever tell you they don't stereotype because if people are willing to get on here, see one isolated vi- video of, uh, of, of one highway heist and say like, Oh, this is definitely what everyone was trying to turn California into. If they can get oh, dude, online stop. and they can they can throw it out the window that they that like every critical thinking skill out the window to say like this represents all of California and the leaders' desires. Okay, so then what was in when the they see when when they see somebody of like a minority community or something like that do like those are the same people that say oh that's that's every one of those that's yeah. what they do and like that so the reaction was dumb. What's in the bag? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, uh, uh, cash or weed, right? Like California. Yeah. I, I know people who transport weed, right? Because they own, um, they own or have some sort of stake in a dispensary or work with them. They don't drive around in armored cars. They move money, hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes just in a regular car, because it is like, you're not going to think that somebody has 50 pounds of weed in the back of a Prius. You're not going to think that they got a couple hundred thousand dollars riding around. And they're usually going from point A to point B somewhere super close. They're not going to stop anywhere. And nobody should really know because they do it at different times, different cars. Like you just shouldn't know. So it would have to be an inside job. So I, I think that this is a case where they were transporting either some money or some dope. But actually, actually, if they were transporting illegal dope, like if they were transporting heroin, cocaine, something like that, there would have been a shootout. They would have got out of the car and shot at them. What would concern you more as a citizen? Finding out that this was just targeted and somebody needs to up their, up their security and someone was taken advantage of for, for being lazy? Or that like these kids uh, like random anarchy? What would make you more concerned? Uh, the the random anarchy. I mean, drug right. drug, so, drug dealers get robbed. So, right. So, wouldn't you take comfort that, like, if this crime is going to exist, at least it was like a crime of targeting and opportunity, and not just like the movie Joker. Yes, uh, <laughs> coming to life. Yeah, where it's random. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the next thing up, Aunt Jemima syrup has turned into the Pearl Milling Company. We all know the story that Aunt Jemima was being retired um, as, a, as a racist figure, apparently. And now she has been replaced by the... What's, what, what's that? What, what's it called again? The Milling Company? The Pearl Milling Pearl Company. Pearl Milling Company. First thing. Pearl Milling Company still sounds racist as hell. Like... Could you come with up a better name like Happy Happy Pancake Syrup? You know what I mean? Like 
Log cabin sounds sounds fine. First of all, I don't eat anjumima syrup first and foremost, right. so this it didn't bother thing. me. Right. I don't eat right. anjumima. So, I don't eat Miss <laughs> Buttersworth. Nothing that has high fructose so, corn syrup in it. I am I putting in my mouth because only <laughs> real grade A or grade B, whatever you you prefer. If it didn't come straight out of a tree, if it has more than one ingredient, it's not going on my pancakes unless I'm like at at a friend's house. Like if I went to Ralph's house and he made pancakes and that the, he didn't have fresh syrup, I, I'll I'll tough it out. But if it's anywhere, I'm not going to a restaurant and ordering pancakes and they don't have real maple syrup. Not happening. <laughs> not happening. Okay. Um it's just funny to me to picture a situation in which like a friend comes up to you and be like, Hey, they're finally doing something about <laughs> aunt Jemima. You'd be like, damn right. Like <laughs> finally, <laughs> but you mean something completely different. You've been trying to get rid of her forever, but it has nothing yeah. to do with like nothing. race or minstrel shows or stereotyping. It's just because it's a bad product. Yes. <laughs> Katie, like, come here. Come that here. cracks me up. I like, I, 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 I like that syrup. I, I will defend you like that syrup. that syrup. Come here. I will defend the, the product. Here's I will here's say my, that here's my n- <laughs> nine year old son, Caden. Would I ever eat uh, Aunt Jemima syrup? No. What kind of syrup do I eat? Regular maple syrup. Thank you, thank you. And and what and what do I want you to eat? Regular maple. Thank you. And but 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 these kids. So my so my wife will eat uh she'll she'll eat aunt jemima miss miss butterworth so we have a fight so there are some things that she does not want in our house because she's like it's bad for the kids blah 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 but then she puts this garbage in there (laughs) and then she'll say oh well no 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 i need you to make sure that i have it because i don't like real maple syrup and i'm like what kind of hypocrisy is this so are you just upset because now you have to be mad at a whole new syrup name no, dude, I, it, it it it'll it'll be fine because now it looks like a generic brand and nobody's gonna want it. It, it does. Can I? I want to ask you one question though. The actual pancake on the bottle, there's like a slight difference between the two. I think they made the. I think the pancake looks worse. Could you? Can we at least come to an agreement there? Okay, hold on. I'm gonna zoom in on the pancake. Hold up. Like the Aunt Jemima pancake looks fluffy and and like delicious. And, oh, they did the, make the pancake look worse. Yeah, oh. and the Pearl Milling Company one looks like like Lego pancakes. <laughs> hey, you are hundred percent right, and I'm the same way about honey too. I'm not. If you go to you know like if on the times where we do go to like you know Popeyes or something, I'm not eating that honey sauce either. Not not happening. Only real honey, and half the time we only have manuka honey in the house too. I don't even know what that is. You don't know what manuka honey is? My honey is shaped like a bear. (laughs) I don't even know if it's real or not. Oh my god, dude! We buy unfiltered real honey, like straight from the and and sometimes we actually have real honeycomb here too. So then you can pour it off the honeycomb. yeah, honeycombs the cereal. I eat that. No, no, actual not honeycombs the cereal. Honey on the comb. Good God, man! Oh, the last social media thing that we have. 
Um, do you guys remember Lynn Sanity? When Jeremy Lynn had one of the greatest two weeks of any athlete ever. Um, well, today's the anniversary of when they played against the Lakers and they played against Kobe. And if does anybody remember this interview? Stuff. Oh, he like went from the bench. He went from the eight and eight yeah. over three games. He's like averaging twenty eight and eight. Well, twenty five. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff. But he went from the bench to that, basically. So it's sort of Rude. coming yeah. out of nowhere. That's why last year his best game was against you guys. He had four steals against you guys. I would look. I just looked to see what he had, if he had any good games last year. He played like fifteen minutes against you one game. I don't remember. Well, well, garbage. Would you would you consider guarding him if, if he's having one of those games? Oh, <laughs> Asking Kobe if he would consider guarding Jeremy Lin. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kobe, Kobe would you be interested in taking on the uh, challenge of Jeremy Lin? Like, and I remember this because like, it was one of the most incredible games that you would ever see. Don't let him put it down on the floor. Lynn likes the open floor, spinning, puts it up, and oh. bangs! I would have thought, and Jeremy Lynn would be first in line saying, I'm in the star comparison chart with Kobe Bryant. Out to Lynn. Lynn fakes, pull-up jump shot. Knocks it! Hole is on Lynn. Crowd wants him, puts up the two-pointer, puts it in! Oh. Jeremy. Dude, the crowd was absolutely going nuts. And I stood the whole game in my living room. I never sat down. That was so much fun. That's the mo that's a top 10 fun sports moment for me. Dude, he had an unbelievable two weeks. Like, like people he thought did. that Lynn Sanity lasted a long time. It didn't. It was two weeks of awesomeness. It was what 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 were his totals? Oh, I think uh I mean he had like several over like a, a 20 oh, he, game stretch. He had like Nine games over 20 or something like yeah. that. So he had, it started 2-4-12 uh, against the New Jersey Nets. 25 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Then came back with 28-2-8. Came back with 23-4-10. 38. <laughs> 38 he, Kobe wasn't guarding him in any of those clips, though. So none of that was on Kobe. Yeah, that was it, all on Derek Fisher's head. Dude, it was incredible. This dude just put up 20 points, 20 points, 27, 30. I'll, and you're just like, how did you manage to do this in two weeks? But he really kept kept it on through, basically through the end of the uh, year. He only had three uh, single-digit games for the rest of the uh, season. He was starting. He was the man. And ultimately, that led to Jeremy Lynn. You realize that Jeremy Lin has made over $65 million in the NBA. This kid who was barely hanging on became a phenomenon. And that's not even a, like, imagine the fact that he's an Asian in the NBA balling. Can you imagine the amount? I bet you he's made more than that, that $65 million in endorsements. Well, don't even think of it that way. Think about the amount of money Jeremy Lin has made for everybody else. 
because like being Taiwanese at that time, blowing up the way that he did in New York, taking it to Kobe in game four, keeping it going, and then being a promising free agent and cashing in on it and getting to play in the LA market and the Houston market that used to have Yao Ming and just the, the interest that was generated in his path in the NBA. Think about the amount of money it made for other people down the line. Oh my God. Dude, yes, absolutely. Dude, he got everybody else rich as heck. Um, yeah, so I think that's it today, right? Oh, no, 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 yep. no, no. I forgot to tell my story. So <laughs> I, I, went, I went full Karen in Costco. I went full Karen in Costco. So I was in Costco and... um. This is a few months ago. I haven't told anybody this. <laughs> you know how you always make fun of Karens for uh, for telling on people for doing things that they're not supposed to do and all this? And mind you, I'm a coronavirus b- b- believer. I wear my mask. So I, I try to do all this stuff to keep myself, family safe, all these things. So I'm in Costco. And I walk in and I see a guy walking Costco with no mask on, right? I'm not tripping. Like, I'm not that type of person. And I was like, okay, he must have forgotten it. Because I'm a person, I've forgotten my mask before or forgotten it in my pocket or something. They're like, oh, man, let me put it on. He walks into Costco. And mind you, this is maybe like November or something. Some places have changed their policies, all sorts of things. But I live in California and in the uh, L.A. County, so I know what's popping out, out in these streets. So I'm walking, and I'm in the back of Costco in the back by the meat section and the wine. And I'm walking by and I see the dude again. He still doesn't have his mask on. Costco employee, mind you, I did not seek a Costco employee out. A Costco employee crossed my path. And I said, excuse me. I was like, do we still have to wear masks right now? And she was like, yes, why? And I was like, "Uh, because I'm just curious because that guy doesn't have one on. <laughs> and so she walked over to him and as soon as he saw like she got about five feet away from him and he turned and saw her then he pulled his mask out of his pocket and she was like sir can you not and he was like well I, I don't think I should have to wear it but I'll, I'll keep it on so I went full carrying in Costco am, am I wrong here okay <laughs> I mean I'm a black let's, guy can I, can I actually be a Karen I think I I think that like you you had the warm up question right so let let's get to that you had the warm up question of like all right so let's check to make sure that when I snitch it's gonna be effective because <laughs> because if she had said like actually we just got rid of that you would have you would have let that guy alone correct I'd have left but him alone you wanted to make sure that like <laughs> that you were fully in good standing. When this went down, and, and in your head, the possibility also exists that she could have just seen it and said something if she had noticed him when she Correct. walked by you. Correct. But you guided it specifically. Yes. yes. So what you're saying is that this current Congress would find you guilty of incitement. <laughs> so I, I'm 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 a black man. I can't be a Karen, right? Or, or, or was well, that not even Karening? 
because it's not there's a but there's yeah isn't there like a racial component to to, yes. to Karen either like an entitlement issue or the one that I see the most is wanting to put somebody who they feel superior to in a in a in a conflict with authority yeah, yeah. because or they're like they, you don't belong here or something like yeah that. because they know their status protects them in the eyes of authority so like they're 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 basically just illustrating the power imbalance i believe i'll be protected by authority i believe that you will not be um so i i don't think that in in those strictest terms i don't think that you would fit into being uh a karen but okay. i mean i i would say like extremely passive aggressive <laughs> <laughs> so so but 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 was I in the wrong? No, because the part of me that, that is it that just wants to like hey man up and tell him yourself also realizes I didn't I didn't want other. a conflict. That that was right, the, yes. the reason why I didn't say yes. it my my myself was because I didn't want him to jump bad with with me. And now I have a a situation that I'm going to have to deal with. Here's here's the, the only scenario in which I would say yes, you're absolutely wrong. Is is if you sent her over there to have the conflict herself, and while she's walking over there, you pulled your phone out of your pocket, pulled up the <laughs> record screen, filming. and got ah! ready. <laughs> I did not pull my phone out. I didn't pull my phone out. Okay, then then I don't think then I think your heart was in the right place. You're trying to you're trying to protect your space because you got yeah. a family and 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 his ultimately um but no if you were gonna film it and you just wanted the conflict for conflict's sake then yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys are listening to rice through a wrong i'm george reister hope you guys enjoyed the